Hello. We are back. talking about fluxes. <laughs> fluxes, yes. Mm-hmm. And as a way of a background, why did you choose to want to talk about fluxes? Fluxes is an interesting thing to me. I like talking about it. I don't know that much about it, but it's fun to learn. Mm. Well, you had said that there was uh, an art opening at my art gallery, and it's so cute because now now you're like checking out things that are happening in Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. That was Paul, right? Paul Wald. Yeah, he... he um... He, he, I think he taught at the university there, and I, and I think he was involved somehow. In, I don't know if he managed that gallery, if he was not managed it, but more like did curating at that gallery or something many years ago. Like when we first met him and his wife, they had just moved to London, and he had, I can't remember what, he, what they were doing here now, but, but they had just moved to London, and um, I, I don't really know them that well, but then they moved to BC a while ago, and yeah, I saw it go by on Facebook that he had a show at the Algoma gallery so i thought wow you should go check that out well um you're so lucky that you're you met him and you're um, i don't know acquaintances with him because he's a lovely person oh he's amazing and you should uh, christine probably wasn't there his wife is beautiful too she's just an amazing person as well hopefully they'll listen to this get all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um i know i don't know uh, if christine was there but uh Um, I recorded the whole, uh, the whole, um, his talk and I, I, I put it on, on our podcast. So it's, it's there for everyone to listen to. Yeah. He's a really nice guy. Really, really nice and uh, interesting. And I mean, some, maybe some of the art that he does is the sort of thing that everybody understands because, you know, it's fairly conceptual, but I think he's pretty, I think, I think I like it. Okay, so um, the, your first question was about fluxes, um, and that that that's because I went to to see Paul Wald, and he when he was giving his description of well his artist talk, um, he mentioned uh, the fluxus movement that it's uh, John Cage was part of that movement and. And it started in the six. Well, he didn't talk about that, but I, I had already a little bit studied about it, just a little bit in relation with Gerhard Richter. So right, because he would have been somewhat connected to that, probably too. Yes, um, he was um, with like doing the what they called happenings. They like yeah, yeah, yeah. In his real early career, yeah, like early nineteen sixties, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where it, it all came from. So, um, all right. So now let's talk about Paul Wald. Um, why do you fast like... forward? Fast forward to 2015. <laughs> yeah, we'll go back to Fluxus later. But uh, let's talk about this because you you know him and you like this type of art, and you told me to go see it. And normally, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be attracted towards it. I would think that it was too uh, formulaic, like too... Uh, yeah, like almost like something... The message is more important than... I don't know. I don't know how to word it. Yeah, no, there's some things that I think they come across as being more of an intellectual exercise than an art exercise. And I think that There are some of those that are more successful than others that will speak to people and other ones that maybe 
you just don't get. And I, it looked to me like that was quite a clever piece. I, I've not seen it, but with the tree hanging and stuff, I, I, but what were your impressions? Did you walk away from it feeling like it did something for you? Oh, okay. So uh, you, do you like it because it has to do with sound? I like his art because it has to do with sound a little bit. And I, it looked to me like he must have been, he does things with nature and sound. Yes. Like he, he did a, a piece here in London once where he set up, um, drums outside in a park that were lit and then he had contact microphones on them that would then record things like rain and wind blowing over them <laughs> and i think amplified it i can't quite remember but uh, but i i find that stuff clever i i mean i don't know maybe it's boring but i, I like it but it's partially because it's to do with sound but it's also partially because it's it's to do with um i don't know to do with like just I think a clever idea, something that you think, I probably could have thought of that myself, but I didn't, right? <laughs> uh, we talked about that at the dinner table, and the word clever came out, and um, it's funny that you should mention that. I said um, to David that sometimes uh, that's, that's, in order to do it well, you have to have a clever idea and some people are very good at that they're very good at being clever and david said or they think they are <laughs> well it's it's easy for people i think to dismiss a lot of that stuff like people that don't really have that much of an interest in art because i think they just don't really see what the point of it is sometimes mm -hmm. like even um you know we're talking about fluxus and that came out of we're not now, but we're, we're sort of moving back and forth. But, but that came out of Dada and out of all of the surrealist movements and that before it. And, and I'm thinking of, like, um, Duchamp, you know, hanging a, a urinal in a gallery. Like, that just pissed some people right off, right? They just, that's not art, right? Armut, that piece, right? And, and it all kind of, I think a lot of it stems from there. And I, I think that's still quite clever. I'll go, you, the, pro, the thing about clever things like that are you can't keep doing them because they're only clever once. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the thing is, I, th I believe that it's really good for me to go to these uh, different uh, installations because it's, to me, more and more, the more I go, I notice that the artist is so passionate and so joyful and filled with the same wonder about what they're doing that... My professors are about drawing or about painting, about more traditional, let's say, traditional arts. So uh, Paul Wald um, was talking about his process and uh, his idea of the drums outside with rain. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Imagine yeah, the recordings really that he must have gotten from that. And um, I know that when he was here... Uh, in Sault Ste. Marie, he started doing that and playing around with sound as well. And he's influenced other people. I know some other people who are recording trees, how they creak and crack and stuff like that. So I, I like this kind of conversation with nature or with arbitrary sounds. And I think that's pretty cool. The uh, mushroom, um, the mushroom... Uh, recording with the spores shooting out with supersonic. Yeah, there's I don't know. He's uh, using some kind of super wild. like 
sensitive, uh, microscopic uh, sound Gosh. thingies, you know. <laughs> think, you think your microphone's sensitive. <laughs> yes. So you hear this and you can hear, you know, uh, and it's really interesting. And then I like his other piece where... Uh, mushrooms um, made a, a notation. Uh, he had like ten, ten big uh, uh, boards. Um, uh, you know, um, like frames with boards um, with uh, the mushrooms, and and then he asked uh, musicians to read the notation that it made, and they played off you know, whatever they could see that resembled notes or whatever. And, and that, that was the music that it made. And it was kind of very pretty, you know? Yeah. So, um, and then, well, then there was the pine trees, um, hanging over the piano. And, uh, as, as the trees will dry, the needles will fall yeah, and it will hit the piano and it will record. Yeah, that was what I thought that from just looking at it, what he was get, trying to achieve there. That's pretty neat. Did he talk about his uh, piece that he did on Glacier? No. Yeah, he, he's got an orchestral piece that is our music. It's a kind of a, a bit of a political piece about climate change. And I, I, I should have looked up what the name of it was, but um, it's he, he had an orchestra playing on a glacier. It's pretty cool. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe. Uh, Maybe I'll, I'll dig that up once we're done here and maybe post it to the page because I think that's something that um, it's very interesting. And I, you know, when I, I suggested that you partially, I, I know that you you go you do frequent that art gallery because it's right in your neighborhood. And and part of suggesting that you would go there was I knew that Paul would be there, and I think that often, no matter what it is, as you were sort of alluding to, or saying um, that the art is, it almost doesn't matter when you see somebody talking about it and understanding their own kind of um, enjoyment and enthusiasm and maybe even explanation. Maybe there's something that you could see that you don't really get and maybe they could actually make you get it that little bit more by explaining what you know what's going on in their own thought process towards getting toward, to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you went. I, 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 I think, uh, how, how many people were there? Um, there was, it was, it's always an intimate crowd there. It's, it, it's a small community. So, yeah, sure. um, maybe I would say 30, 35 people came, but, um, it's okay I, though. I mean, it's just, like you say, it's a small community and you, he, they were probably pretty attentive and interested. And so that's, that's, oh, that's about all you could really ask for as a, you know, somebody doing the presentation. Of oh, it. well, it was, I think. The people that came, they were really into it. You know, um, I could tell that they they viewed his uh, artwork as pretty high up. You know. You know. Yeah, I think to get something like that in um, in, in a small community is pretty cool. Uh, it, just, it is. Yeah, it's called okay. It's called Requiem for a Glacier. Oh, wow. And it's an installation and sound performance that memorializes BC's Jumbo Glacier Area, an ancient feature of landscape left over from the last ice age, now under immediate threat from global warming and resort development. So, anyway, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take this, this page that I've got, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll send you the link or post it on the 
on the on the uh, Facebook page because I think it's interesting to read through and to look at it. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's pretty ambitious. Huh? Like I, I, I'm, I, I was really impressed with that. I thought because he brought a whole orchestra out to a glacier to play. Like I don't know how many, like forty people or something like that. But I can tell. <laughs> Might have been small, right? I can tell that he's the kind of person who can do that. I mean, he just the way that his way of being is earnest and genuine and not at all fake and not uh, obscure like he doesn't use big words on purpose you know to make himself sound more intellectual or whatever he's just so nice yeah he's really honest he lived just around the corner from me at but before they moved to BC, and I bought. I'm just looking at my record collection here, and I'm remembering I bought about. I probably bought about thirty or forty awesome records from them too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! You're so lucky that uh, you got to to hang out a bit with him. So. Yeah, I mean, I like I said earlier, I wasn't really a club. I wouldn't say I was close with them, but certainly we would talk when we saw each other at art openings or out at music events or whatever. And I, I've seen he's actually got. And I, I don't remember the name of it, but he's got another um, kind of experimental music thing that I've seen play as well, um, along with another fairly interesting artist who still lives right in the same area, Kevin Curtis Norcross, who's kind of conceptual and does a lot of nature art as well. Maybe we'll talk about him someday, too. He's pretty cool. But they play together in this one, in this sort of thing. And I saw them at this Electric Eclectics music festival that, uh, it's sort of a music and art festival that goes on in near Meaford, Ontario. It's a strange thing that I've been going to a number of years and I saw them play there once. So I've seen a lot of different work of his, but I didn't know about the mushroom one. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so his show was called For John Cage. And I learned that, um, John Cage did uh, a piece where he just sat at a piano doing nothing, uh, and he recorded that, and that was his piece. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> he's got some interesting ones. And apparently, and I don't know. the whole thing around that is that it's the recording of the sounds, the crackling of the, because he played in, um, uh, a hall that was uh, all wood, and um, it's a beautiful place. There's there was a photo of it, and uh, and it's uh, basically all the sounds around the piano that become the 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 showcase of the piece. Right, you move your bench; it creaks a little bit. You just, the people in the audience. I'm sure I, I, that's a very famous piece of his, and in modern art, that's a very famous piece in general, I would say. And uh, I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah, but, me uh, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Everybody that knows who John Cage is knows about that one because that's his most famous thing that he's ever done, really. But I think that probably the recording would have been done probably the first time he ever did it would be my suspicion, and probably nobody that was in the audience would have known what was going to happen, and so there would have been this unusual kind of tension where he just sits, he just sits behind the piano. And I think actually there's some noise because I think he actually closes the lid, <laughs> and that's the sound. And then from there he just sits in there for like five minutes and then gets up and walks away or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, you can see there's a lot of there's a lot of people that see that kind of stuff and call bullshit, right? They just say that's not art, whatever. But it gives us something to talk about, right? Well, that's the thing. Um, I think. 
a lot of art today is about what's around art, you know? Uh, so, like that piano, that piece, that music, music piece of silence is not really silence. It's filled by something. What, what is that something, you know? It's what fills the void of silence, I guess. And, and the fact that silence is almost impossible. Yes, yes. So then you, you start uh, thinking about what, um, a band that you really like. And, and I mean, one thing that I love is when I hear old jazz is to hear the piano creaking, the the strings buzzing a little bit. Um, and even, the even some of it. What? I was just going to say some of it, like even the hearing like the, that if it's being coming off of a, a 78, you can hear like the, the, the recording quality wasn't great. You can hear the crackling. It kind of adds to it all. I believe so. I, I really like hearing those kind of unwanted sounds, I guess, that, that are taken out in today's music because it's all electronic and canned, basically. So, you know, it... It makes you think about what is outside of the piece. What is the installation, like the gallery around you? What is it made of? What is this space that that where my art is? Or who are those people that are coming to my art? Or what little cards am I using to describe my, my paintings? Or, right, you know, right. like, um, you can extend it to to everything what smells are in the room what what sounds what uh, whatever you know so i i understand that part now like now that i'm a fine arts student but um the fluxus movement i'm going to go back to it and, yeah and john uh, cage was most certainly connected to that so we're not totally away from it no so i uh, just want to read their manifesto and we're talking about uh, art galleries here and uh, uh, art um, enthusiasts and uh, artists and the whole shebang, like um, uh, building your exhibit and uh, getting yourself known out there and getting that grant so you can hang those pine trees above a piano, you know. You do have to do all that in order to to live. You have to to live as an artist. You don't exist in a void. So the Fluxus Manifesto, um, as I was reading it, seems to not like much of that uh, art gallery stuff. No, it was kind of about, if I recall correctly, it's really about, about art being a continuous process and that almost everybody's life is continually an art project almost, you know? It, it's, um, it says, okay, uh, manifesto, to affect, to, to bring to a certain state, um, to cause a discharge from flowing or fluid discharge, uh, purge, the world of bourgeois uh, just a second I'm trying to open this thing 
The world of bourgeois sickness, intellectual, professional, and commercialized culture purge the world of dead art, imitation, artificial art, abstract art, illusionistic art, mathematical art, purge the world of Europeanism, promote a revolutionary flood and tide in art, promote living art, anti-art, promote non-art reality to be grasped by all peoples, not only critics, dilettantes and professionals. Yeah, for sure. Fuse, fuse the cadres of cultural, social, and political revolutionaries into united front and action. So, grasped by all peoples, I don't think that uh, everybody would understand. <laughs> well, I think a good example of that is, to me, the most famous of all the Fluxus artists and I don't know them all that well, but one of the most famous ones certainly would be Yoko Ono, right? Yes. And, and a lot of people have a very negative opinion of her, I think, without ever having known anything that she's ever done. I just think that people just don't like her. I don't think it's fair. I, I think she's an amazing artist. And I saw her installation at the Art Gallery of Ontario probably about 10 years ago, and I didn't really know much about it. And one of her famous Fluxus pieces was called Cut Piece. Yes. And she sits on stage and has people from the audience come up, if I remember correctly, and everybody gets to cut something off of her clothing until she's sitting there naked. Aww. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting. She's cute. My God. I think she's amazing. I think she was an she was an amazing artist unto herself, and and a lot of people just don't really understand that that she was a big name and she was really like a leader in that whole movement of the of the Fluxus artists. I saw her Imagine um, show, and my brother-in-law hated it so much, and he said that she was uh, capitalizing on on um, her husband's uh, life. But if you went to see it, you'd see how much they loved each other, and what what does it matter? Yeah, I, I, I don't buy into that. I think that they were two people that basically worked together in an incredibly interesting way and that there's this notion of you know Yoko Ono hanging out and breaking up the Beatles which is really doesn't make any sense whatsoever but if you if you say if you watch what they did together and stuff and they were they had a, I think an amazing relationship and she brought something to it and he brought something to it and it was not about like her taking advantage of him or, or, or so well nobody would probably think it was him taking advantage of her but maybe people who were fans of her might have thought that I don't know back in the day but yeah I I kind of see where people say that because it's you know it is after the so much after the fact and she's still in a way um profiting sort of capitalizing on it but I, I she was part of it though you know um I think that she was trying to bring from what I could see, she was celebrating her love, and and why not do it the way that she's, she's she wants to express itself. It's it's she's an artist, and that's what she wants to do. And um, she she had like letters that people wrote, um, the Bishop of blah 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 in England. <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to marry them because of some, I don't know what it was, 
but uh, oh, maybe because they smoked pot or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. No, they didn't smoke pot. And, uh, and because of their lifestyle, I guess. So they ended up going to get married somewhere else. I can't remember where, but they, she showed also that at their wedding, they had given people acorns to plant uh, and it was like a symbol of them the two yeah, acorns cool. together yeah i think that's cool that's so cool and then she had this big couch she had a huge couch where you could just lie down on it it was like a circular couch and watch some movie about her and john lennon and she had a tree a prayer tree where you could hang a little wish or anything you wanted to say on right on this little piece of paper so everybody could participate in it and also she had like a huge map where you could i think hang strings i think you could put strings anyway a lot of um collaborative work public things that people could put their their input inside so you felt included into the event you know so yeah she's a really good example and another one is joseph boos voice 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 yeah voice yeah yeah he's a he's an incredible artist boy boy <laughs> <laughs> well boy, oh boy. i don't understand really what you know like and, and i'm I'm not sure I get it, but I know <laughs> nice that it's part of the. I know it's part of the idea, but um, he's a Nazi. He's a pilot. He he crashes in um, the Soviet Union. Yeah, some, in the Crimea. Some Tatars, nomadic Tatars, get him and and help him. Uh, wrap him in fat and fur so to to help him survive then he starts wrapping himself in felt and locks himself with a coyote and in a room and then takes photo ha asks someone to photograph him and that's his art as some kind of message of uh, how uh, na the native people are being uh, were being uh, and still are being yeah, colonized his work's fairly symbolic, for sure. And, uh, and he ended up working with felt and fat throughout his whole career, which was what saved his life when he was found dead, right? Or not nearly dead, broken up in a plane crash. But, uh, you know, I've seen an installation. I saw something of his. I think it was at the Museum of Modern Art the first time that I went there. And it was pretty cool. I don't know. Like, I think in some cases... He, you almost want to just take a step back and not even try to get it and just appreciate that there's this thing in this space and it just kind of looks cool. And that's what I found with his. That's what I found with his work. Like, I don't even remember what it was that I saw of his and I didn't know him that well. And the reason, he's another guy who, uh, I've talked a couple times in our past discussions about my friend Jeff Wilmore, who's uh, a painter, quite a very, very good painter. And uh, he, he was, he's done some, um, Jeff has done some, spoken word stuff and he really connected with joseph boys and it's interesting because jeff's not a guy who really buys into a whole lot of conceptual art it's not really his thing like he's more of a plein air paint on canvas kind of guy or big studio canvases big you know it's it but but he was really into joseph boys for some reason and this is a long time ago that i was introduced to him and and 
somehow it resonated with me, and I'm not—I can't say exactly why. Maybe it was because someone else that I that who whose opinion I, um, you know, appreciated or or respected was interested in it, and so I maybe I gave it a little more time of day than I would have ordinarily. Mm-hmm. Um. So how would how would something like that? Um. help you uh with your um your process you know how how would you um because i mean i've i've seen enough jars (laughs) i've seen enough jars and um uh i get performance art i guess it's I, I'm not, I always sound judgmental and uh, like critical to like negative towards these, but I just wonder. Well, uh, I'm like that with some of it. I, I know that the function of this is to make you think it's, it's the first function of, of uh, contemporary art is to make you think about what's happening and um maybe it will elicit uh, an emotion of some kind um but you're saying um that it's to appreciate that there's just this thing in the room that's i wonder if it's because it's him it's joseph burse and you just yeah. want to know historically what what that fits where does that fit in the in the continuum i guess and that's fine that's fine as an artist we have to to do that i, I believe like it's important to know who's lot, come before you yeah a lot of these things too like when you talk about something as like performance art for example i think your first thing that goes through your head might be something that you're not going to really like but performance art is honestly can be anything from somebody who's more or less a stand-up comedian to a band playing music right i mean so i'm not and what what jeff does for performance art is generally storytelling Mm. so it's him standing up and talking about maybe something that happened to him a story that was an interesting thing that happened to him when he was younger and sometimes what he'll do in those cases is he will um he'll like do a live painting on the wall as he's telling the story. Yeah. So that's what kind of makes it, I guess, more performance art than just being a stand-up comedian. Not that it's necessarily that funny. I mean, you try to be funny, it's, but, you know, you do what you can. But I don't know if boys did that, or, or there was some connection that he had with them. I'm just looking at a couple of pictures of, of Joseph's boys' <coughs> excuse me, installations and, yeah, <coughs> stacks of felt and stuff. I, I think that's cool, but I'm, <coughs> I'm an engineer and I'm kind of square. <laughs> You're, you're the least square engineer I know. <laughs> oh, and you're you've just like swallowed the wrong way. I think. Yeah, I think so. It's my own fault for having a glass of red wine while I'm talking to you. Oh yeah, I I don't I don't drink when I podcast, but uh, Dave, David does. David does. <sighs> you men, you need to have your <laughs> alcohol. The other guy, and we were talking about this a little bit back and forth today on when we were chatting about what we were going to talk about this evening, and the other guy that I think that people 
should look into if they're curious about Fluxus is Al Hansen, who is Beck Hansen, the famous musician's grandfather. And I, I remember finding that out, and I, I just found that really fascinating because apparently Beck used to spend a lot of his like summer vacation times when he was really young with his grandpa, mm-hmm. and that would um, certainly have a big kind of influence on who you are. And in a way, some of Beck's, I, I mean, we don't need to talk about music here. It's not really about music, but uh, just because of the connection, and I've listened to a lot of his like earlier music, and there is some stuff of his that I would say is you know, almost bordering on being like fluxus and kind of like taking the rules and turning them upside down. And I guess that's kind of what we're, is that's kind of what you were talking about when you were reading stuff from the fluxus manifesto. To me, it seems like it's about just flipping the rules backwards and saying, we're not going to do what we're supposed to do. Yes. But still only people who are well versed in that sort of thing will understand it or even like maybe or even not. notice it. Yeah, notice it or talk about it or or be involved with it. But most yeah. people would just uh, like I I heard some people uh, talk about this kind of thing and and um, they 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 say like for example, well if I go and dump manure over here in front of this museum, I will be a delinquent. I will be charged. But if an artist does it, then it's okay. And and they say, like, well, in either case, it's bullshit, you know? <laughs> Literally, in that case. <laughs> but you know what I mean? like. Um, oh, no, I know what you're saying. And I've always, I've always felt similar to a lot of uh, what I would call almost like more student-grade kind of conceptual art. I see it and I think, okay, like I said earlier... You can only do something that's clever once, really. Yeah. Like, so the guy who decides that he's going to load a pile of shit in front of the art gallery and call it an art installation, that's clever to do it once, but after that, it doesn't matter. you got to find something new to do and something that's better than that. That's not a great example. I don't, I don't think I would find that super clever myself. But but uh, what about... Um, oh, you uh, were showing me the... Um, sorry to interrupt you. You no, were okay, showing okay. me the piece with the cigarette butts. Yeah that's, yeah, that's Al Hansen. Yeah, he makes these statues of women out of cigarette butts and then varnishes them. It's like, it's so weird. And I like your commentary on it. I like your, um, your, I think it's something that must come from having to write about art in school. And I've never really had to write about art. I've only had to think about it and look at it and try to make it. But I've never really had to write about it. And so you can immediately say, well, you can see this sort of consumerist message that's being presented by these by an artwork like that. And I think that's interesting that you'd see it that way. I, I hadn't thought of that. Well, it's, it's, it's either, well, I, I, you know, you could, yeah, people, yeah, people yeah. say whatever the hell they want, but, um, you could think, okay, well, here's a woman, uh, a, a, the, the shape of a woman made of cigarette butts. Now you could think, uh, that, a woman has made a man smoke all these cigarettes. Because, right, right, that's what you're saying. And that's what's in his mind. You've driven me, you've driven me to smoke. <laughs> or uh, that a woman is uh, a cigarette to be consumed, a product to be consumed, and, and he's saying, look, don't beware don't think of women this way you know like so it could be a feminist message or it could be 
a misogynist message. Which it could also be mess. Yeah. Well, I imagine art coming out of that time was probably more likely to be misogynist, but you never know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know too much about Al Hansen, but I did remember knowing that I was a fan of back when I was, you know, many years ago, and I sort of started becoming interested in art and then found out that this guy's grandfather was a famous artist who used to hang out with Yoko Ono. I thought that was pretty cool. And I remember looking him up and thinking, wow, this guy made like statues out of cigarette butts. Weird. So maybe, or maybe it's um, trying to do like his own Venus of Willendorf in, in cigarettes, like a fertility, <laughs> a fertility statue. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fertility. Maybe, maybe that's it. <laughs> It's it's um you know like it 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 can make you mad thinking about all of these things but uh, you know that's then you know that the artist has done his his or her job. Then that's a good point, and I often have to remind you. Often I think people have to remind themselves that, and I find personally as I get older, I become less critical of things. I think if somebody's out there, I probably said this before because I probably say it every week. Or every we talk but i find that if somebody's out there and actually doing something i give them a certain amount of benefit of the doubt and just say good for you kind of thing you know of course of course um it's it's the process and and it it comes from they don't do that my professor talks about that all the time like that uh somehow an artist is trying to uh cheat you or pull the wool over your eyes or whatever that's not the case they're they're just engaged into making these things and that that's their thing and i'm you know i'm i uh recognize all this at the same time i also cannot let my brain accept <laughs> um these things sometimes it just no I, I just keep saying in my mind, what does it do other than yeah, say, so. look, you know? Sometimes, it's, sometimes it, I think it invokes controversy, and I think that that's a thing unto itself. True. True. And then there's True. other stuff that I don't know, like, I mean, we're kind of, I mean, Fluxus is a good example because I think. If you were to look at um, a lot of the art that would be coming out of that group of people, you would find a lot of stuff that people just kind of would scratch their head at and say, that's not art. Mm. Well, I watched a movie by um, Marguerite Duras called India Song uh, that my professor in a, po in a poetry class um, made us watch. And, I think I've heard of that. Oh, good it was the, like the slowest movie uh, it's black and white and it doesn't make sense half the time and there is a story in the, in the movie but it's so slow and I, I, I was like arguing I was getting mad at Marguerite Duras why does she force us the viewer, the reader to to go through that why are we put through that you know it's a little bit selfish i think when artists make others go through these things that are very awkward and not very comfortable and um uh, why you know like keep keep asking will you fucking get to the point 
<laughs> you know, like you get to that. Yeah. What's the point then? You know, like you're you're suffering. <laughs> Sometimes the point might be to just see how long it is that they can actually keep you sitting in that chair. <laughs> Honestly, I think sometimes that's what people, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't probably do that myself, but I was, um, earlier this, maybe last week, I was talking to some friends on Facebook, other people I know that are interested in various forms of art, and I, it, you know what's interesting about Fluxus to me is it, it spawns so many other sorts of things afterwards. It's a really important movement, and there's a very, um, I, I don't know that we've mentioned her before, but a famous Canadian artist who... Her, she works with a, her, well, her name's Janet Cardiff. Do you know her? No. Oh. She works with a guy named, um, named George Miller. And they work together doing these sound art installations. And they're just amazing things to see. And she had a piece. And they actually had it here in London. And I went in and sat in it. And it was really cool. Uh, that was actually Canada's, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, inst- or the piece that Canada had submitted. Canada's submission, I guess what I'm trying to say, to the Venice Biennale. And it's called Paradise Institute. And you go into this kind of box. It's kind of like theater seating. And it's like you're in a theater, but you're hearing all the sounds. It's kind of reminding me of the John Cage thing where there's a, there's a movie that's kind of going on, but you're hearing, like, the woman beside you asking her guy that she's with at the theater if he wants more popcorn. And, and people, like, saying, shh, it's starting, it's starting, and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's really neat. I'll, um, maybe I'll post that one, too. I don't know. I, mean, I, th- I thought of that because I was, it was in the back of my head when you were talking about the John Cage thing. And I... And I see it as a, I don't know, just an extension of, in a way, of the Fluxus stuff to, the Fluxus movement to, to um, move forward with this stuff. But she's really cool. And she's from Brussels, Ontario, of all places. Like, great little small town just outside, not that far from London. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And she's a heavy, heavy hitter on the international scene. People really like her, uh, her work. Hmm. So... That's and she's uh, she's an example to me of something that I think that anybody with an open mind that had any sort of minor interest in art would look at it and they would say, "That's clever. That's cool." Like she does pe- like a lot of work with speakers and like she's got this one piece that I was just looking at recently that it's like speakers sitting on a table. Like there's 70 different speakers on this table that are just kind of connected all with wires to a thing, and the speakers change their sounds based on how you're standing around it because there's there's light sensitive sensitive things that as you stand in the shadow of something, it changes the sound. So the different people around it makes it respond differently. I love to that. Me, that's, yeah, to me, that's super clever, right? That's like, I think, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. You know? oh, and you just, see, oh, it's, that's, you just that's, see it sitting there, and it's probably not the sort of thing that most people would get turned on by. But I think a lot of people, when they started understanding this process, they're going through. Anyway, that's a bit of an aside. That's like, that's like the, immersive, um, the immersive installation. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. Things that are, are interactive like that, I think that's that's like, I think that's like very futuristic still. Like it's not really been done that much. But I think that's something that if you could come up with a way of having a piece of art that involves the viewer more, mm-hmm. um, that's like forward thinking stuff to me. Well, yeah, that that way you're not alienating the viewer, but you're you're including the viewer. That's that's really, really, that's more what I think is important. Yeah. 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 So, um, I think we've got a good podcast here. I'm crossing my fingers that 
Uh, it recorded well, and I apologize yeah. about the poor quality from last time. Hopefully oh, this no. time will be better. It went off without a hitch from the beginning, so uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yes, fingers crossed. Okay, well, uh, thanks it's a been... lot for for this uh, time together, and have yeah, a good, good week, Mark. And we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Take care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Yeah.